This is Let's Talk to Lucy, starring Lucille Ball. A very warm welcome to you all. I'm Gary Morton, and now, Let's Talk to Lucy. Hi, this is Lucy. If you were in California, wouldn't you like to visit Gypsy Rose Lee? Well, that's what I'm doing today. The incomparable Gypsy invited me to her hillside Mediterranean castle in the air. And I always love to visit Gypsy anywhere in the world because it's always like a day at Disneyland plus the zoo. <laughs> <laughs> you see, Jip never travels alone, always with her menagerie. And uh, Jip never just settles in an ordinary house. It's always a fantastic, out of the way, out of the ordinary, fabulous something or other. Hi, Gypsy doll. Hello, Lucy. I'm uh, very pleased to be up here today. This is my first visit to your Mediterranean castle, your Italian Riviera abode. I like what you call it. I have other names for it, of course. I call it Early Glorious Swanson, or uh, <laughs> sort of a cross between Mediterranean Gothic. How do you find these wonderful places? I was visiting a friend of mine up in Truesdale. That's the hill over from me. Uh, at dinner one night, and she pointed down the hill and said, Gypsy, right down there is the most wonderful, dilapidated, beat-up mansion of a place, Gypsy, it looks just like you. <laughs> she was so right. Oh, oh dear, what the descriptive adjectives. <laughs> and you stood for that, right? I did, especially when she said it looks just like you, because it really did. Yes, and the next day, I came down to look at the house, and they wouldn't let me in the house. Uh, the caretakers were here. All I could do was to walk around the outside because they said at 4 o'clock they'd stop showing the house. So I looked in the windows and uh, got the name of the bank that uh, held the escrow or whatever it was on the house and learned the next morning that they were closing a deal at 2 o'clock that afternoon. But yeah. anyway, I put in a bid on the house. Mind you, I hadn't been in the house. You hadn't been in I it? I never was inside the house. How did you dare put a bid on it? Honey, I, did, I knew the plumbing would be... Uh, gone. Yeah. I knew termites, honey, and I was so right. If you need termites, don't you go to strangers. <laughs> <laughs> I am loaded with termites. And every now and then people think that it's a, cre a creaking floor, yeah. that it's a gone floor. Oh, <laughs> how do you dare be up here so high? I had it all fixed. Oh. I hated to make them move. I don't know, there was something so industrious about those termites, I felt... Uh, very like a Borgia. Them, yeah. I felt like a Borgia putting oh, them out. Oh, when you think of really? the many years they had lived My, here. My, you have such a feeling for every living creature, don't you? Well, these guys I'm worked not awfully hard. I'm not kidding, though. You really mean that. I, I do. I could cry a little when I think of it. <laughs> Imagine knowing a woman uh, who has compassion for termites. <laughs> you should have been here the day we had to get rid of the bees. They were under the tile roof. <laughs> I had to go to bed, Lucy. It made me so ill. When Why? I, you didn't have to kill them. Yes, we did. You have to cyanide them. Mm. It's the only way. And they had their honey in there. Oh, the worst part of all, the saddest part of it all, really, Lucy, was that night, real late, all the other bees came in. They'd been on the road yes. collecting the honeys. Yes. And they came in and found this devastation, of course. It really it put me to bed. Why didn't you just leave them there? Because they... They make their honey yeah. under the roof, yeah. and it starts to run down, and then you tear the whole walls down. Yeah. If you think termites are bad, bees are worse. I know. We used to have bees come to our pool for their water, even though it had chlorine in it, and there was no going in the pool. I mean, it just belonged to the bees. Uh, yes, that's right. Anyway, you are from another era, my dear girl. You are, <laughs> I think, from the Victorian era, early Victorian. Yeah, Edwardian. I've always thought that Edwardian. if I had a chance to be 
uh, old to do it all over again. I, I would ask to be born during the Edwardian period. Mm -hmm. I think I would have fitted that period As very a person well. or as an animal? As I, uh, well, let's see now. I've never thought of that before. Hey. Well, I tried as a person. The animal thing, I'll wait till later with that. Well, I think really that your answer would be that you would like to be a person so that you can take care of all the animals the way you are right now. Animals, to my sister and me, I think, yeah. Lucy, because of us being on the road all our lives as kids, you know, children depend so completely on their neighbors. The grocery store on the corner knows them. Yeah. The neighbors next door know them. They have familiar faces around them constantly. And as children, we didn't have this. We went from one hotel and one theater to another. And the only really familiar faces, other than our own family, were our animals. I know. And we needed them. Of course. And you're so used to having these little yapping things around. Uh, I'm speaking now of the dogs. Although we did have guinea pigs and mice and turtles, and June had a horned toad, and we had chameleons. The things I've collected around me since I've been out here were the things we couldn't troop. Uh -huh. Birds. Uh -huh. And I adore them now. I've never, never had birds with me, although I did troop goldfish when I was in the Sickville Follies. Oh, that was uphill all the way. <laughs> <laughs> well, they were named um, Tony Martin and Alice Faye. They were married in those days, and this was in 1937, 38, and I had been to um, the Venice Pier with them. And you know where you pay 10 cents and you uh, try to catch the fish yes. in one of those amusement parks? And you won. Well, no, Alice won one and Tony won the other. Oh. And they didn't want them, so they gave them to me. And they give them to you in one of those little containers, like they give you in chop suey restaurants. Yes. You know, with yeah. a little water in them, uh, around them, rather. And we went on the roller coaster. And in all the excitement, all the water came out, so these poor little goldfish <laughs> were, uh, were all sticking to the side. <laughs> well, in the panic of getting fresh water in for them and everything, Tony Martin got his tail twisted. <laughs> <laughs> and for as long as that fish lived, he had a twisted tail. <laughs> Was that the beginning of your menagerie that you have here now and your aquarium and everything? Oh, with those fish. They lasted the whole tour. That was the, <laughs> the tour with Fanny Bryce, you know, and Bobby yes. Clark. And Fanny and I were sharing a stateroom, a drawing room together on the trains. She she got it with her contract because she was the star. Yes, of and, course. you know, she, I latched on, paid my share, of course, if you know Fanny. <laughs> <laughs> As a matter of fact, I paid a little more than my share. Fanny always liked to make a fast buck, you know. <laughs> Yeah, she admitted to it. That yeah. was a wonderful thing about her. Well, we used to carry so much luggage. I had about 48 pieces of luggage. This, you know, was the sewing machine, the Victrola Records, painting. 48 pieces of luggage mm -hmm. when you were traveling on... How could you keep track of that, or how would they allow you to have that much? Well, uh, because I was a friend of the star. <laughs> I see. We had the bedspread yeah. and the draperies and the electric lights, but Fanny carried 52 pieces of luggage. She had the stove, the massage table, the medicine trunk. You've never seen so much stuff as Fanny carried. So when we would check into a hotel, of course, we always had to have an extra room just for the luggage. Then some man in Indianapolis gave us a case of tamales, so we had to get a stove to eat the tamales. You can't eat them raw. Of course. I had a philodendron plant and all the paintings. We'd take down all the pictures in the hotel room. We'd check in and put up mine. <laughs> 
And with all of this, I want you to know that Fanny balked at the goldfish. Why? I don't know why. Well, what, you know, I used to put them, they were in a bowl by now. I'd gotten rid of the chop suey container and I had them in a regular bowl. But when we'd hit these fast stops on trains in those days. Oh, you know, they slopped Fanny, over a little. Fanny was in the lower. She was always swearing that they were slopping over. Well, did you keep them in the bunk with you up, up, up high? Well, where else would I put them? <laughs> If I'd put them down with Fanny, she would have destroyed those fish during the night. Oh, gosh. What a <laughs> then I had five dachshunds. So I have two goldfish and five dachshunds in an upper. Oh, gypsy. Fanny didn't mind the dogs, but she certainly did object to those goldfish. <laughs> five dachshunds in an upper bird? I started out with two. But we were 16 weeks in Chicago. And uh, you know how uh, dogs will do. Dogs they got and married. rabbits. This and before we knew it, we had three puppies. Oh, for heaven's sake. And we couldn't sake. part with them. Fanny loved them, though. They were, they were wonderful dogs. Oh, you're so <laughs> cute. Oh, our time's up for today. Please be with me tomorrow, will you, Jip? You mean to tell me it's over already? Yes, it goes so quickly. Will you be with me tomorrow? I've got lots it. of things to ask you. I'd love it. Okay, dear. Bye for now. I've been talking to Gypsy Rose Lee, and she'll be with us again tomorrow. Hope you'll be listening. See you then. Hi, this is Lucy, and again today my guest is the fabulous Gypsy Rose Lee. I'm way up in the Hollywood Hills in Gypsy's Mediterranean castle in the air, and I'm enjoying every minute. Yesterday we talked about, oh, her fabulous house, the fact that she obviously is from another era, the Edwardian era. She really isn't from this world at all. She's a pretty fabulous creature, Gypsy is and she surrounds herself with all the things she loves. Just before we signed off yesterday, we were talking about your traveling with Fanny Bryce, Gypsy, and it was just hilarious, all about the goldfish and the five dachshunds, all in the upper berth. Gypsy, what kind of dogs do I see running around here now? They're the strangest breed I have ever seen. Those are Chinese crested, hairless. Chinese crested hairless? Yes, they're very rare. They certainly are. I've never seen anything like them in any place. No, I've just about cornered the market. <laughs> are they a show dog? No, they aren't. They were at one time. They've been shown, but they're not registered with the kennel club, you see, because you have to have 150 that breed true. Oh. And although they breed true, there I haven't been able to find 150 in the United States yet. No, you're going to have to do it all by yourself. I have a pretty good start on it. Mm-hmm. How many uh, birds do you have now? I have 28. What happened to all your cats? Oh, I lost them. All of them? Well, you know, my, my gouty cat was an awfully old cat. I got him in Barcelona. He was 15 years old when he died. Whew. Did and he travel? Yes, he'd around the world twice. He's been smuggled in and out of England five times. <laughs> <laughs> and you can, you can tell that now. Well, yes. How many cats did you have? I, well, I had four then. Uh-huh. I had 22 cats once. Did I did, you really? didn't want to get rid of any of them, and... And they just multiply so fast. They're, they're really worse than rabbits. And they have friends. They sure have. They bring Come in, from far and wide. They sure do. How long have you been collecting this uh, Victorian furniture? You have some fabulous pieces here, Gypsy. Yes, I have some rather extraordinary furniture. I think it's because I was collecting it before it was fashionable. Uh-huh. And I could find these, um, these, uh, the better of Victorian pieces. Of course, the r truly good Victorian pieces have always been fashionable. But, I mean, the, as Billy Rose used to say, that he claimed that June and I had cornered the kook furniture market. <laughs> <laughs> I agree with him, but I think it's very, very effective. And every place you go, you seem to find a house that fits that type of 
decor. Well, I've only had two houses, with the exception of that one in the country that belonged to my mother. Uh, you mean your townhouse in New York was the other one? That and this. Did you sell that one in New York? I did. Five stories, that was, wasn't it? Yeah, it, it was 26 rooms. 26 rooms. But I remember Eric, your son, was about 13 the night that uh, we were there. How old is Eric now? 19, in 19. the Army. In the Army. And where is he now? Well, and right now he's in Texas, in Fort Sam Houston. Uh -huh. And I had the saddest letter from him. It just tore me apart until I analyzed it. Why? Well, this terrible thing the Army was doing to him. They were sending him to Munich. Oh. And I was feeling so sorry for him until it suddenly occurred to me, Munich... He adores Munich, and yeah. he's so close to Paris. What's he doing? He's pulling my leg. Yeah. So what he was really doing is uh, putting me on, Lucy. Uh, yeah. So, uh, you know, the taking the first defensive so I couldn't get angry at him for requesting overseas yes. duty. That, he must have. Well, it's going to be marvelous. How many times has he been over there with oh, you? Oh, let's see. Oh, I four or five times, I guess. You He's know. going to have a ball in Munich of if he has Of course he will. Time. He doesn't have the language, but he does know French, although he's not terribly good at languages. I think he'll pick up enough German to get around. He's a very unusual boy. He's one of my favorite young men. Is he really? Yes, Lucy? he certainly is. I, I would like to see more of him now at this age. He was a very unusual young boy, very unusual. Yes, I think it's because he was brought up with grown-ups. Of course. I, I rather regretted uh, the the passing of his childhood, because it seemed to pass so quickly. Well, they all do, even though they aren't around grown-ups and travel as much as Eric did. But you have been closer to your son than a lot of people I know. Really well, he close. with me, yes. Lucy. You know, I had quite a, uh, quite a decision to make there when he was very little. Of course, when he was two weeks old, that was simple. I rolled him in a blanket, put him in the back seat of the car, and went to Atlanta, where I was appearing. He was mm -hmm. two weeks old. Mm-hmm. When he was 10 days old, he was down at Norfolk. It was, he was born around Christmas time, you see, and we were doing a show for the, um, the Navy. Christmas, naturally, you know, everybody who could do anything to entertain the troops, you know, naturally. Not everybody can give them a baby for Christmas. No, well, <laughs> they didn't want to know about the baby, to be absolutely frank with you. The you know, um, uh, head of the, what do they call it, Sp uh, special services who was putting on yes. the show. Uh, was rehearsing with me, and we were getting the show organized. This was the most important thing. And I stopped in the middle of the rehearsal and said, Oh, please excuse me, but it's time for Eric's bottle. And he couldn't quite believe what I was talking about. Eric, what bottle? Who, who? I said, My child, of course. Your child. Don't you men a sailor that needed a bottle? <laughs> I think he did. An alcoholic friend. <laughs> oh, Gypsy, you're he alone. I didn't even know I had him with me. Um, what was it you started to say about the decision that you had to make about your son? Oh, oh, yes. Well, this when he was very little. When he was, you know, just a, a baby, there was really no problem. But when he became of school age, I was trooping in show business then, you know, one-night stands and here and there. And I really had to make up my mind whether to send him to school or to keep him with me and um, let him take correspondence school, a professional children's school. Yes. And I finally decided on the professional children's school. I thought it out this way, Lucy. Maybe it was a mistake, I don't know. But being a boy, I thought, wouldn't it be awful if I sent him to a school and he's brought up with real nice home folks without any idea at all, really, of my business and not much knowledge about me as a person. And being Gypsy Rose Lee isn't 
you know, being Lucy Ball or, um, um, you know, a regular um, theatrical personality. Something rather, um, um, well, sort of an unpleasant connotation connected with it, Lucy. Well, you know? sometimes. Oh, yes, indeed. In some eras. Yes. Areas. Yep, yes. And I knew that at one time or another, and probably many times during Eric's life, people would raise eyebrows or they would be... Uh, over solicitous or sympathetic. I thought, well, I'm going to take him with me. I'm going to let him learn what a tough business this is and that I'm not in it because I like to sleep late, but that there is a lot of honor connected with just being in show business. The prestige of our business, Lucy, is something rather special to us. It doesn't, I don't think, go through to other people who aren't in contact with it. But to us, you know we have a great pride in our business. And I wanted Eric to have that. Because I think if a man doesn't have pride in his backdrop, whatever it might be, he... Um, he suffers. Yes. He's not much of a man. He's got to have that. He's got enough to fight without fighting that. Right. He has to have pride in his backdrop. And I, I thought this was the only way I could give it to Eric. And it's true. It worked, Lucy. I know it did. It worked. I know it did. That's why he's such a wonderful guy to be around right now. He's adorable. And although he's, he's, he never says he wants to be in the business, I have a, a hunch that eventually, Lucy, regardless of the mathematics and the physics and all these things that he enjoys now, mm -hmm. I have an idea that he will eventually wind up in our business. Not as an actor, but in some form of our business. Maybe the technical end of it. Bless your heart for being with me again today. Now, please, I'm going to ask you to come back once more because tomorrow I want to fire some questions at you. Will you do that? Yes, okay. I will. <laughs> Bye. Thank you so much, Miss Gypsy Rose Lee. And please join us again tomorrow, ladies and gentlemen. Bye now. Hi, this is Lucy. Again today, my guest is Miss Gypsy Rose Lee, and we're in Gypsy's home in the Hollywood Hills. The last day or two, Gypsy and I have been chattering away like a couple of magpies. We talked about Gypsy's 19-year-old son, Eric, who is now in the Army, and, oh, just lots of things. Now, Gypsy, what are your plans for the next couple of years? Have you given up performing? Oh, I don't know, Lucy. I really decided when I came out here that I would quit completely. But I don't think we ever do. I scratch around a little. I do a few TV shows here and there. You're wonderful on them. You're quick and witty oh, and wonderful. You. And you look so great. How do you keep yourself looking so great? What are your uh, quick rules? Well, I really haven't any. Rest and proper food or... Uh... Well, I always eat badly. You know, I'm the hot do dog you? hamburger girl. Oh, yeah. I'm a very good cook. I don't bother cooking for myself. I know you don't drink at all. No, I don't drink. Well, I, I used to maybe take a little wine or something, but I don't. I get up very early in the morning, you know, and go to bed terribly early at night. By very early in the morning, I mean around 5.30. That, uh, that's the call of the wild you have downstairs spread all around. Oh, the birds get me up, and then there are the fish, and, of course, here I'm having such a wonderful time with my garden and um, putting up the jellies and making the preserves and... Most of those things I think I do in anticipating a Eric's arrival. You yes, know. let's not skip over that. What did you say? You put up what and the do what? The preserves. Oh, I have hundreds of bottles of pickles down there and jelly and jam and marmalade. Well, now, where did you ever learn to do that if you were never home? I didn't. I never really learned to do that. Uh, it sort of came naturally. What do you mean by that? Well, you, you know that you take fruit juice and a certain amount of sugar. I don't know it. 
Oh, well, I'm a cook, I told you that. Although I had never made preserves before, and I adore doing it. I don't eat them, but I do. Uh, <laughs> Why don't you eat them? They're too fattening. Oh, they are not. Not pickles and are. things, are they? Well, even the pickles have an awful lot of sugar in them. <laughs> and all the pickles have my own recipe, my own names on them. There's one down there that my sister really just, it, it got such a kick out of, uh, Big Lady's Pickles. Big Lady was <laughs> our grandmother. <laughs> uh, and these aren't necessarily her pickles, but they do taste very much like some pickles she used to make. I can hear June saying, Big Lady Pickles. Yes. <laughs> oh, and she had nine pounds over overweight when she flew back to New York with all jars of jelly and jams and things. June doesn't uh, do much canning. She's, she's a good cook, but she yes. doesn't know how to present. Well, she know, she'd know how. I think anyone who applies himself to it. If you have the fruit and it grows on your property and you are not a wasteful person, yes, that's the thing. then you manage some way or another. I remember my grandmother never let anything go to waste. The oh. peelings, the rinds, the seeds, everything oh. was used. Make do. I think that's wonderful. <laughs> and we always had a big pot of uh, soup stock on the back of the stove, the old wood stove it was, too, where we put wood and coal, oh, you know, really? the big black burners and whatnot. And uh, she always had the soup stock on the back of nothing went to waste. Oh, well, there's no, any really good cook has, uh, you know, makes the stock. They had three kinds of stock. There's well, the yes. brown stock, the white stock, the veal and chicken. Very few of those left, though. Those good cooks that do that, they don't see the need for it anymore, you see, the, the refrigeration. Well, yeah, how can you make sauces and things without well, A lot those? of them don't do it. Oh, well, I no. love to make sauces. That's no. the most fun, I of think. Of course. Uh, I love cooking for Eric. He, when he's going to come home, when he's on a leave, he usually gives me a week's uh, notice when, so I, and, a, and a menu to go with it. Oh, how wonderful. The things, he said, I've been dreaming about this, that, or the other. Well, know. how thoughtful of him. That makes it so easy for you. He's a wonderful audience, you know. He does yes. eat when he gets home. He always was a good audience for everything. Yes, he's very enthusiastic, isn't he? Very appreciative. Mm -hmm. uh, oh, I miss him so. What kind of a woman do you think he will marry, Gypsy? Probably an awful one. At least I'll think she why? is. <laughs> oh, why do you say that? I'm joking, because really not. He's had two girlfriends. I adored them both. One of them was a little wisp of a thing. She was so dainty and so dear. She was visiting us one Christmas, Christmas before last. And um, I just loved having her here. My only uh, job, it seemed, for that Christmas holiday was to fatten her up and send her home to her mother. <laughs> Where was she from? New York. And the other girlfriend? I had sent Eric his uh, airplane transportation, and he uh, wrote me and asked me if he could bring a house guest, uh, his friend, and I had not met her before. And I said, oh, of course. So I wrote her mother, and her mother wrote me. And at the time, I didn't realize that there was not enough money in their family uh, to send her out here by plane. So Eric traded in the plane ticket and bought two train tickets where you sit up all night, all yeah. the way from New York, and oh. those two kids came in so tired and so dirty, four, four nights in a row. Yeah, five days and four nights. They had sat up. Oh, dear. They had uh, 64 cents left. Oh, <laughs> when they got off that train and hungry, <laughs> they had Eric. Uh, I don't know where he gets this from, but he had a leftover box of Triscuits, <laughs> a jar, a half-eaten <laughs> jar of peanut butter. Everything is being saved. Yeah. You know? <laughs> what do you mean you don't know where he gets it I from? I don't know where he got it from. You and June were taught to save, that's for sure. Make make something out of nothing. I talked to June. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I'm talking about Gypsy's sister, June Havoc, who is quite renowned for us done some fabulous things in show business. 
I was talking to June about uh, making something out of nothing. I said, you should write a book with that title because it seems like your whole life you have been able to do that. And I don't mean yourselves personally. I mean uh, your the houses that you and June buy and, and pull up by their bootstraps and make wonderful new places of them. And you love to take things and rehabilitate and, and rejuvenate and well, that's, decorate. That's true. Oh, of course, I think we got a lot of that from Mother. Yes. You know, Mother was everything going out, nothing coming in. Yeah. Make do. Penny yeah. earned. It's a penny saved or however she put it. We usually got them mixed up, as a matter of fact. Gypsy, how did you... Uh, how did you manage through all the years to remain uh, a stripper who never stripped? You know, Lucy, it's very... I didn't know you in those old burlesque days, but when we went into burlesque from Baudible, and that's how I happened to change my name, because Mother didn't want Grandpa to know the terrible thing that had happened to us. <laughs> <laughs> so my right name being Rose Louise, it was easy to become Rose Lee. And we tacked the gypsy on, which was, um, you know... A, a gimmick. A, yes, and it was a, a nickname of mine. I used to tell fortunes as a kid. And right out of Vaudible, it's rather a prudish background, almost a Victorian um, way of life, into burlesque that was so open and free and easy. Not that it, um, it was immoral in any way. I, I certainly found it on the contrary. But it, it, it appeared to be easier and more open. Well, the audiences were... That's it. ...were that yes. way. And the shows Not your were. background. Backstage was just as it was in, in Vaudeville. But out front was different. That's it. But some of that leaks over those footlights, Lucy. But at that time, of course, with Mother standing in the wings every single performance, even had it occurred to me to have taken off more clothes, Mother wouldn't have allowed it in the first place, and it didn't really occur to me because I did, um, I did a satire on a striptease. And everyone in the show took off so many clothes that it didn't seem uh, necessary for one more to, uh, you know, sort of join the naked group. In fact, I think your showmanship was showing at that point, and you realized instinctively that it was much smarter to leave on than take off. Maybe it was that. Lucy, it might have I been I prefer that. to think that. Well, you know when you have 11 strip teasers on the bill, and of all of them down to the little tiny G-string, mm -hmm. and although they, they were all different personalities, um, in the last encore, they were all pretty much alike. Yes. So in order to be different, I really had to keep on my clothes if I wanted to or not, and of course, in this case, I did want to. Gypsy, it's been delightful. You are a wonderful guest. You're just wonderful. I'll see you soon, dear. I hope so, darling. I'll Come by the studio. Yes, I'd love to. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed my visits with Miss Gypsy Rose Lee. See you Monday. Have a happy weekend. Are you loving Let's Talk to Lucy? Then you have a real treat in store for you. A new episode is being released every week on the SXM app and wherever you listen to podcasts.